Please note, in this episode we discuss themes of slavery and abuse, which some listeners might find upsetting. One of the people discussed in this podcast is referred to as Ibu Boy. This name has been used as it is the only name for this person recorded in any historical documents. He is also believed to have been under the age of 16. It's about humanity, it's about the way in which freedom is a human right and these people fought for that freedom, however hard it was. Welcome to 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. My name is Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're celebrating 100 years of our museums by looking in depth at 100 of our favourite objects and the stories that they can tell. In today's episode, we're looking at a story from a building which appears in dozens of images of Hesham held in the museum collections. Although it's about a person from a community which is not well represented in our or many other museum collections in the UK. Today's object is a painting of Hesham Shoreline by Daniel. The painting is watercolour and it shows a view of Hesham Shoreline. It measures 25 centimetres by 17 centimetres. To the left are reddish cliffs sweeping down to the shore. The painting is impressionistic in style, with patches of colour and shapes used to pick out a boat on the water, two figures walking along the shore in the distance, and the buildings of the village above. To the right-hand side of the picture, you can see the area of St Peter's Church and the ruins of St Patrick's Chapel. Not a lot is known about this painting, but it's thought that it was made in around the 1790s. It's signed with just a surname, Daniel. This could refer to William Daniel or his uncle Thomas Daniel, who were both landscape painters around this time. However, the story we want to talk about today is not directly about the painting or the artist. It's a story of a person who was not recorded in paintings or able to leave his own story in his own words. It's a story from a community which is underrepresented in the collections, but is an important part of the history of this area. It's related to the area shown in this painting about 30 years before, and related to the man who was the rector of the church in Hesham until 1789. It's the story of an enslaved African boy known as Ibu Boy, who escaped from the Reverend Thomas Clarkson. We spoke to Professor Alan Rice from the Institute for Black Atlantic Research at the University of Central Lancashire and co-chair of Lancaster Black History Group to find out more about his story. St Peter's Church has obviously been there for several hundred years, but the era that I'm interested in, the reverend there is a Reverend Thomas Clarkson. And Thomas Clarkson is reverend there for over 30 years. And then his son is the reverend there for decades as well. So the Clarkson family are integral to this church. And I like this picture because it shows how important the church is to this area. We can see the ruined chapel quite close by. It's right on the coast. And the story I want to connect to it is a story connected to the sea. So Reverend Thomas Clarkson was um, a well-educated man and he felt increasingly in Hesham that the living there was not good enough for him and he wrote letters to the bishop asking if he could get a better living. 
So it seems quite ironic to me knowing the story of E.B. Boy, you know, that in fact he should think of himself as being a very pious, good Christian man and writing these letters to his bishop talking about all of his achievements. And yet I think it sullies his history, this fact that he had an enslaved African living on his premises. So what about the person at the centre of this story, Ibu Boy? What is known about him and his life? There's not very much we know, and there's lots we have to base on just one document. The document we have is a runaway slave advert, and we've got a Liverpool one and an Edinburgh one. So these are adverts which are placed by the owners to try and get their enslaved Africans back. This particular one came to our attention really only in 2018 when it was published as part of Glasgow University's Runaway Slaves in Britain project. And there are about 850 of these runaway slave adverts. And lots of people think about runaway slave adverts as being a very American phenomenon, but this shows they were a British phenomenon too. So this is the only record the Reverend Clarkson had probably owned an enslaved African. And this is quite unusual in the sense that many of the enslaved Africans in this region were baptised. There is no Christian name here. He is Ibu Boy. And I don't know whether he was going to be baptised. He'd been with the, the Reverend Clarkson for a while. So why did he not baptise him? Maybe he didn't want to draw attention to the fact that he enslaved an African. It, at that point in history, in 1765, it was not necessarily seen as objectionable to own other human beings. But maybe, maybe he had a guilty conscience about it. Not that guilty, though. Not that guilty because when Ibu Boy escaped, he immediately sent out adverts to try and recapture him, offering rewards. As the only known document to record the life of this person, we asked Alan to explain a little bit more about what the Ibu Boy advert said and what that can tell us. So what did the advert say? The advert named the Reverend Thomas Clarkson as the master of this boy. You might notice I'm not using the word owner. I believe he was an enslaved African. There were Africans who were servants, but I think if you're wanting him back and offering money, it seems to me that he's almost certainly an enslaved African. He's also a boy or seen as a boy. Many of the Africans who were bought as far as Britain were bought as young boys mainly, although the odd girl, uh, as kind of trophy servants. We believe he might well have obtained the boy from his brother who worked in Liverpool in the slave trade. We don't know which ship he arrived on. And as I say, the first knowledge we have of him is this 1765 runaway advertisement. It names Clarkson and then talks about the boy. And these runaway slave adverts need to describe him. It talks about the clothing he wore, leather breeches. Uh, I think it was blue and red, his clothing, and kind of quite distinctive. Other enslaved Africans would escape in their underclothes so that no one could patch them to a piece of clothing. Maybe they'd have got some clothing earlier and hidden it somewhere. We know also a physical description of him. 
hit a lump on his head. You can only conjecture, but I think of this as being abuse from his master. He had a limp. I think of that as overwork or abuse as well. When we're talking about a 15, 16 year old boy here. The key detail, though, on the runaway slave advert is he had his country marks on his temple. Now, country marks are African scarification marks. And in the Ibu people, there are different points in the development, mainly of males, where they got scarification marks. They usually went to high ranking Ibus. So that's a really telling detail. It's almost certainly then that this boy is not coming directly from the West Indies. That in fact, he was brought over as a boy from Africa, maybe to the West Indies and then on to Hisham or maybe directly. But there is another detail that shows you he'd already been in the Lancaster area for a while. That detail is that he spoke in broad Lancashire dialect. And I just think this is incredible. And I actually believe this is the first written account in the English language of a black person speaking a Lancashire dialect. Well, the reason they talk about his Lancastrian accent is because he almost certainly was escaping to London or to Scotland, where his dialect would have stood out. His African scarification marks, especially amongst the black population in London, might well not have done. So the question everyone asks is, well, was he recaptured? We have no evidence that he was ever found. And there's no documentation, no gravesite, no burial record for So are these runaway adverts quite common in relation to this area? And do we have any other stories of runaways and what happened to them? Overall, over about a 130-year period, there's about 800 runaway slave adverts UK-wide. I think we have about five runaway adverts associated with Lancaster. Harry Hind, he's the one who escaped without his clothes. There's another one who escaped from a ship in Lancaster, and then there's the Ibu boy. Just up the road is Thomas Hansen, who was owned by the Sill family in Dent. He escaped in 1758 and he got down to London. He joined the army as a trumpeter. He probably was already a trumpeter. And he spent eight years in the British army. And then he lost a tooth and could no longer play the trumpet. So he was pensioned out of the army and received a British army pension for the rest of his life. So there's an enslaved African who not only escaped but became a kind of pillar of the British state as a member of the army. So it's a really interesting story. Yeah, many did escape into the crowds in London. Some got back or tried to get back to the West Indies, but many would just try and disappear into the London black population. Before he left, Alan explained why he thinks that it is so important to remember and recognise the story of the Ibu boy. For years and years, I took people on slave site tours around here. And many of the stories we had of black people, they're they're stories really which kind of lack an agency. You know, the black people in them are passive recipients 
of often brutal treatment. And what Ibu Boy's story gives us is a story of rebellion against this. It shows that people aren't willing to take this kind of treatment. It's about humanity. It's about the way in which freedom is a human right. And these people fought for that freedom, however hard it was. Totally isolated in Hisham, hundreds or thousands of miles away from his home and or family, Ibu Boy says, no, I'm not going to be abused anymore. I'm not going to be treated like a non-human being and I will run. And I'm running from a pillar of the society. And that's the thing that I think is also very important to tell about this story is the Reverend Thomas Clarkson. Doesn't seem to be shame in his enslavement. If there was shame, he wouldn't be putting adverts in newspapers. He thinks of himself as a pillar of the community, a pillar of the church. And yet he indulges in this anti-humanitarian behaviour shows you that in fact it was a respectable trade at the time the slave trade that owning a slave could be something that didn't undermine your respectability and actually could enhance your status it can be the prelude to us thinking about the church of england and religion in general and its relationship to slavery because when compensation was paid to the owners of enslaved Africans, the Anglican Church got around 1 million, about 5% of the 20 million which was handed out, which is about 17.6 billion in today's money. And only recently the uh, Church of England have actually started to say that they're going to pay some forms of reparations. And this story can encapsulate why those reparations are due that in fact serving members of the Anglican Church found it of no problem to have enslaved Africans in their households. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. Please do listen to some of our other episodes where we look at the stories of people from politicians to prisoners of war 